Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no question a lot is at stake in this year's election at all levels of government. We here at the Topeka Capital Journal are doing our part to share the perspectives of those running for elected positions in Kansas. My name is India Yarbrough, and I'm a reporter for the Capital Journal. Over the next few weeks, leading up to the November 3rd general election, our reporters will be interviewing candidates running for local, state, and national offices. We'll be asking them questions about their platforms and priorities and having conversations about what this year's election means to Kansans. We hope you enjoy listening to our Election 2020 podcast series. Hello, and welcome to another installment of the Capitol Journal's podcast series detailing each of the candidates in local and statewide races in the November 3rd election. I'm Rafael Garcia, education reporter for the Capitol Journal. Today I have with me Representative Fred Patton, a Republican running for re-election for District 50, which covers much of northern and western Shawnee County. Mr. Patton also currently serves as chair of the House Judiciary Committee and member of the Seaman Board of Education, a position he has held for over 18 years. Mr. Patton, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess to start off, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess you said my name's Fred Patton. I uh, live, in, live in North Topeka, a little bit north of, of town. Um, my wife's a school librarian. We have three kids, two at KU now. One, uh, our daughter's still in, uh, in middle school. And uh, I'm, I'm an attorney. I've been in the legislature now for six years, which seems crazy. I feel like I was just running for the first time. Um, yeah, just just a pretty involved person in the community. I think, you know, to make a difference, you need to be involved in stuff. And so that's kind of been my philosophy. Right, for sure. What have you learned from these past six years as a state representative? You know, my first two years, um, it was kind of a painful experience. I'm like, why did I do this? I asked myself that over and over again. It was right near the end of the Brownback era. And we had these battles over whether we wanted to repeal the Brownback tax cuts or not. And, and the session just kind of drug on and being a new person um, who'd actually ran against a sitting uh, legislator. And uh, um, I, it was just a challenging experience, but I, but I took it all in and, and uh, decided to run again. And what I've learned is, you know, if you just slow down and, and listen to people, listen to constituents to find out what their priorities are, listen to other legislators, listen to people that have issues that you'll find good solutions. And so I've just kind of, well, I'm way more busy six years into in being a legislator than I was in the beginning, but if you just slow down and listen to people, um, we can come up with good solutions for Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I guess in those previous successful elections and right now as you're running for re-election, what do you think has set you apart as a candidate? You know, I, I at least when I ran the first time, um, I thought what was important is even though I, you know, I didn't call myself a politician, I had been on a school board for quite some time, and I'd learned uh, how to interact with constituents and deal with difficult issues. And um, so I do that not only with my volunteer experience, um, I do that in my my day job. And so just the ability to work with other people, I think, is really important. I mean, the successful legislators that I think are successful are those that just have that, that skill set to, to meet with people and, and visit with them and come up with solutions. And I feel, feel like I'm getting pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. 
right now as a candidate, what are you prioritizing as you speak with people? You know, as I visit with people now, um, for one, I don't really tell them what I think. I think my job as a representative is to represent my community. So it's really more like a listening opportunity for me. You know, what, what concerns do you have? And, and obviously I'm hearing a lot about, about our schools, um, whether they should be open or closed, um, about COVID and how we're dealing with that. And then people worried about looking forward. Um, you know, if our state budget situation looks as bad as it sounds like it could, a lot of my constituents work for state government and they're worried about, you know, what's the future of, of their jobs. And so those are the concerns I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. What's something you think should maybe be, uh, giving greater priority at the legislative level? You know, we've got a lot of issues we need to work on. If I, if I wanted to pick one that I hear a lot from people is um, our sales tax rate. It's, it's higher than really many, many other states, especially our border communities, is a way to get through the, that brown back tax cut era. We, the, we, I voted against it, but the legislature voted to raise sales tax. And, and now sales tax on, on everything, but in particular food, uh, I just don't think it's fair that we have high sales tax on things that people have to buy to survive. And so we talk about that a lot in the legislature. We've just not done much with it. And so that's something I'd like to see us try to accomplish, which is going to be difficult in the short term, but we need to put a plan into place. Right. How do you imagine taking or setting up a plan like that, especially as we deal with some of these um, budget issues because of the pandemic? Yeah, and that's the challenge. I mean, before the pandemic and the implication it's had on our state budget, I, th I think you should have just sat down and taken a comprehensive look at our tax structure. Um, we have lots of tax exemptions. Um, for example, um, and it's not uniform across the, the, the board. So maybe your Optimist Club doesn't pay sales tax, but my Optimist Club does. And it's it's you can pick places across our state that some pay and some don't. I think we need to take a look at all those exemptions and see which ones still need to be in place and which ones don't. And there might be some money to save there. Um, or or you just you, you knock, knock it down just a bit over time, you know, as you can afford it, as revenues increase you try to bring down the sales tax just a little bit at a time. Now that's going to be a challenge. I mean, we are we are going to be short no matter what. And so to give any type of tax cut right now is going to be really hard to do. Right. As you mentioned, this has been um, a discussion from even before the pandemic. Right. Oh, what, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you think has been the biggest barrier to it before all this? The biggest what? The biggest barrier to... Um, <sighs> You know, I, I don't serve on the tax committee, so I don't know the discussions that they take um, have in their committee. I, I really think it's been people have this great idea, and we'll have you know amendments brought on the floor to do it, but they're not well thought out because it didn't go through the committee process. So I think it's just been, you know, we dealt with the whole income tax issue for multiple years, um, got that in a good position. We had revenues going in the right direction where um, we were able to fund needed services. But we never had a lengthy conversation about how do we come up with the money to bring down food sales tax. Because I, I bet you go over there and you talk to every one of them and they all agree it needs to come down. We just didn't have the will or the mechanism to pull it off. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, um, what are your thoughts on Medicaid expansion? So, so when I first came to the legislature, again, back then we had a terrible budget situation. Um, I was initially opposed to it. I, I, I wouldn't say opposed to it, but I didn't vote for it because I didn't think we could afford an additional program. And I didn't want to see us vote to put something that, like that into place and then not have the resources to fund it and then take it away from people. Um, but I'm um, trying to think. 
first or second time I voted on it. It, it, it passed both houses of the legislature. It went to the governor, and the governor vetoed it. And I spent a lot of time um, meeting with individuals, um, meeting with organizations, talking to constituents. And so when the opportunity came to override the, the governor, I switched my vote, and I voted for it, and I've voted for it since. Um, I'm, I'm worried about, again, do we have the money to do it now that we're going to be short? Um, but certainly we have Kansans that, that need it. Um, we are already paying that money in to the federal government, and we're just not taking it back. So we're, we're paying for it, the vast majority of it. We're paying to the federal government, and Kansas isn't taking advantage of that benefit. But I, I, I still have that concern. Um, will we have the money to continue doing it at the state level? So that's that's a discussion we'll have to have when we get back. Um, again, it, I, I believe it's needed for a number of people, and it'd be nice to come up with a Kansas solution. Uh, we have we call it Can Care in Kansas, and is there a way we can tailor the program to make sure it's not going to cost us money, but to get those people that really need it um, the expanded Medicaid? Mm-hmm. So how would you vote on a new effort to? Pass Medicaid expansion. Well, with anything, I, I want to see what that plan is. Um, I, without seeing details, I'm guessing I would vote for it. Um, but again, I'd want to see how it's paid for. I'd want to see who um, who it benefits. Those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, go, kind of similar to the previous question, what do you think is the biggest barrier to getting that passed? <sighs> I think it's been the you know the pressure from the federal level, at least. Initially, you know, there was lots of talk of of repealing it. And if it was going to be repealed, that's not something you want to put in place because at the federal level, if they pay 90% of it, well, then it's not too costly to the state. But if that 90% goes away, then there's just no way we'd be able to fund it in Kansas. And so I think that's been what at least initially caused us to be late to the game, you know, as other states were getting in. And, and now you see that push back a little bit more. Right? There's, there's a court case uh, moving through the system that may repeal Obamacare. And if that happens, then, you know, everything's up in the air again. And so it's really that uncertainty. Now, other states have pushed forward despite the uncertainty. So, again, I, I, much like the sales tax that we talked about earlier, I think we need to sit down and come up with a plan that works for us um, and put it into effect and hope the, go- the federal government signs off on it. Because if you don't do exactly what they say, you have to submit a waiver and work through the process. And other states have done that, and it would be good for us to pursue that route as well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how your position on the issue kind of evolved through that yeah. um, last time that had been brought up. Um, what had you heard specifically from constituents on the issue? You know, I, I, I heard from a number of is- uh, constituents who, who, you know, who were working but couldn't afford health insurance and, and needed it. I heard from a number of people that have um, disabilities or other challenges that they're dealing with and they, they couldn't, you know, get their own health insurance. I heard from organizations and hospitals. In fact, right about the same, it was the same time when I was having that conversation, that debate about which direction to vote is when uh, St. Francis initially announced that they were going to close and go out of business before uh, KU came in and and helped them out. And so I I heard from a number of people that work at St. Francis and that go to St. Francis that that were concerned that our hospitals are going to close. And so it was all that information together. And I met with some, some, really budget experts on Medicaid expansion who tried to outline to me uh, what it would cost the state. And, and on the other side, what the financial benefit would be to the state by um, by having people that, you know, have health insurance and are spending money at doctors and hospitals and, and prescriptions and those types of things. So it was, it was a lot of information. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right now, the state is dealing with another big medical emergency yeah. that's expanded really to all facets of life. Right. Um, what role do you think the legislature plays in responding to this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, so when we get back initially, we're, we're going to have a lot of work to do. Um, in addition to chairing judiciary, I'm chairing the special committee this fall on Kansas Emergency, Emergency Management Act. And so we've had six full days of hearings, hearing from people across the state. Uh, that are dealing with the the pandemic and the emergency on a daily basis, um, just talking to us about um, challenges they faced, things they'd like to see different in the Emergency Management Act, ways we could tweak it moving forward. And so we will have a lot of work to do in House Judiciary when we get back to let, put some of that stuff into place. But beyond just the, the Emergency Management Act itself, we're going to have to deal with you know issues related to unemployment um, benefits to possibly health insurance benefits. The big one's obviously the budget. What's what's going to happen there if we're, if we're losing the amount of money that's projected to lose? How do you still provide needed services without without the resources to do so? So it's going to be a busy session. And while we have a lot of other stuff to deal with, I suspect we're going to spend most of our time dealing with the ramifications of COVID-19 and its impact on our economy. Mm-hmm. As part of those early discussions, what is Kansan's biggest need right now in the pandemic? Boy... Um, you know, I, most of the counties are doing a good job of providing the services they need. So, you know, if you're just looking at, at COVID-19 itself, if, if there's an outbreak or a hot spot that, you know, most counties are getting in there and doing their best to do contact tracing and that type of stuff. Um, thankfully, we have federal resources flowing into the state that are giving us um, dollars to spend on, you know, plexiglass and PPE and those types of things for government and private business. We certainly want private business to be able to open back up as, as soon as possible because with well, one, you want people to have a job and we want to have places to shop and dine and those types of things. But that generates the money that we also have um, to operate state government. And so um, I, to me, that that's the one I hear most about is how, how can we get the resources that people need um, to open their businesses back up and for people to feel safe to go out and about. Mm-hmm. How should the legislature split the responsibility and role of responding to this pandemic with the executive branch? Here in yeah, so so that's that's really what my committee's been working on. And you know what we've heard time and time again is that the vast majority of the disasters that happen in Kansas, the emergencies are dealt with just fine. The governor declares an emergency for a, a tornado or a flood or um, a fire. And usually those are resolved within, you know, two to three weeks. Um, and the legislature never gets involved. Uh, current Kansas law says that a governor can declare a disaster. And for 15 days, he or she has pretty much unlimited authority to go in and, and address it. And then after 15 days, the legislature gets involved at, at varying levels. Um, the path I think we should head is that we maybe even go beyond 15 days and we give a governor 21 days to go in and, and whatever the emergency is to try to solve it. And then after it needs to be extended, legislative oversight begins to tick up a little bit. Um, if it hap- if a, a disaster happens in the spring, the legislature's here and we have quite a bit of input on it, but it's really a disaster like this where the legislature's you know gone from, well, in this case, March until we won't go back until January. And so you do have to give power to somebody to deal with it. And certainly that should be the governor. The question is, uh, what power should the governor have to suspend laws, to put new laws into place, to you know do mandates and those types of things? And, and that's, that's what we're working through. It's got to be a good balance. You've got to be able to respond to emergencies quickly. Um, this one's just unique. We, we never planned for in law to have a disaster last this long. And, and that's what we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. In addition to the pandemic, um, well, and in the context of the pandemic, 
what do you think bipartisanship should look like now? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, going back to my, the first question you asked me about, um, you know, what have I learned? And, and it's that listening. And I, th- I think that's how, how you, you work in a bipartisan manner is you, you sit down and listen to the other side. Uh, everybody has good ideas. I may not agree with everything you have to say, and you pr- may not agree with everything I have to say, but I bet there's bits and pieces we do agree on. And I think that's where you start the conversation. You know, let's bring people together, um, come up with things we can agree on. And, and again, Ultimately, I may have to vote against your your idea, and you have to, may have to vote against mine. But if we can make that product better by working together, that's what we should do. And pandemic or budget or tax policy, I think you should do that with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, besides the pandemic, um, what do you think are some of the more significant issues facing Kansas this election cycle? Yeah, so uh, I'm... I'd be willing to say most of them are somehow related to COVID. I mean, budget would be the big one. I mean, again, that's, we're going to hear that. We hear that at the doors. We're going to hear that when we get back. Um, Criminal justice reform. That's one we've actually uh, been working on in a couple years in the legislature. And we have, we have a commission that's studying ways that we can change, you know, penalties for certain crimes, um, how, how we can get people out of our, our prison facilities, quicker if you know if we provide them the right training and rehabilitation services and we they've they've made a number of good recommendations and those were kind of moving through the process and then you know then the legislature um ultimately left because of COVID 19 and we didn't pass those so all that stuff needs to kick back up and thankfully those committees have continued to work and so refine their ideas um boy beyond that i I can't think of anything specific i've heard lately Mm -hmm. um so right now with the pandemic, um, a lot of businesses, especially small town businesses here in Kansas are suffering or have seen yeah. some of those drawbacks. Um, how do we spur some of the state's economy to come back? A lot of, I mean, to me, it's, it's making people comfortable to go. Um, and, and, you know, my wife and kids and family, you know, we've, we've tried to go out and, you know, whether we eat in person or not, you know, you've got to go out and give those restaurants your business so that they don't shut down while this is going on. And, and you know, shop local. We hear that all the time, but that's more important than ever right now. Um, our, our big stores are likely to be able to make it through because there's probably areas of the country that they're doing okay and they've built up reserves. But our small mom and pops just, they don't have that, that reserve money to get through something like this. And so hopefully we all feel comfortable going out and about and, you know, wearing masks and staying socially distant, but still going out and, and spending money in our local um, businesses. Then you hope that, you know, the federal dollars that we've spent or that we're target, targeting them in the right way so that those businesses can use those dollars to get their feet back under them. Um, it's going to be a challenge. And, and we've seen that locally, a number of them have closed and may not open back up, but you hope that maybe they're just hitting the pause button and trying to get by and you know when we start returning to normal that that they'll come back Mm -hmm. going off that what should the state house's role be in making people comfortable and um directing those federal dollars um so i the the legislature has at least right now since we're not in session we don't have a direct role but the state finance council does um, work with the governor um on approving i how to spend those money she's got a spark committee that is soliciting input. Um, they've got grant programs, those types of things. And so they're digging through that and trying to come up with what they think's right. And then they put it before the state finance council. Uh, the legislature, when we get back, um, our commerce committee, I think we'll have to look at things on how to be, you know, 
flexibility. How, how can we, we maybe be a little bit more flexible with some regulations, um, be flexible with tax payments if need be? You know, if people don't have the resources to get up and going, maybe we give them a little more time to make their payments. Those types of things are, is, are some ideas that I think that will probably be run pretty early in the session. Mm-hmm. If reelected to your position, um, what's something you want to point back to and say, that's something I accomplished or that we were able to accomplish during my tenure? Yeah, and, and you've given me that question before, and I'd been thinking about that. And, and I, you know, when I ran the first time, I told people that I'm not running on an agenda. I, I don't want to go in and say I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because I think my role is to come here and represent the people that live in our district and with an end goal of making Kansas a place that, you know, my kids and your kids and, and others across the state want to come back and they want to live here and work here. And, you know, like you said, you've, you're living in downtown Topeka now where we hope exciting things happening and young people like you want to live here. Um, I just, I hope I play a role in that and that, um, you know, at the end of the day, the people that I represent think that I listened, that I heard what they had to say and I went down to the Capitol and fought for their interest and tried to make positive change. So not one item, um, more just, you know, an overall that I was, was a good representative. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts on anything you'd want voters to know about you um, and what Boy, you would hope to do? Not, no, nothing specific about me. I, I try to be as open as I can. I my Google my cell phone number. It's out there. My email address is out there. I try to respond to everybody. So give me a call. Stop me in the grocery store. I, I want to hear from people. We, we can't be good representatives if we don't know what people think. Um, I say that same thing about the local school board. Um, I, I can't know what parents want their kids to be doing right now if, if they don't reach out to us. So that's just what I, I have to say to people is, you know, if you've got concerns or, or suggestions, let us know. I mean, I, I don't have all the ideas. All right. Well, thank you for joining us um, today, Mr. Patton. Best of luck to you in your race as we quickly approach Election Day. Um, for the Capitol Journal, this has been Rafael Garcia. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're looking for more, you can support local journalism by subscribing to cgonline.com, reading our articles, and following the latest news on our social media platforms. You can also find more podcasts like this one in the Apple Podcasts app, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.